The enemy is mad. Can I tell you one of the things he's mad at? 240 salvations in this little church last year. He doesn't want to see that happen again. He, he's upset with us. He knows that we are doing some great things for the kingdom of heaven, and that ticks the guy off, amen? And so I want to talk to you today about facing incredible odds. Anybody ever face incredible odds? Anybody feel like maybe they're involved in facing something pretty incredible right now? My, both my hands are up, you know. I, I could, and I did this for the team the other day, and I almost felt rebuked of the Lord. I could bullet out all the things that my wife and I and our children are going through personally right now uh, as an attack from the enemy. I choose not to do that today. You know why? I am not going to add anything to the enemy's resume. Amen. I am going to stand in victory. I'm going to stand as, as, a, as a conqueror in Jesus Christ. Amen. But I have to tell you, there are incredible odds that many of us are coming against. And, and the reason God put this so severely in my heart is we're about to cross the threshold. We're about to get to the other side. That's why he's turning up the heat. He's cranking in the screws a little bit. Huh? Can you feel that in your side a little bit? Yeah. That's the enemy. I'm about to take the screwdriver out of his hand. No, actually, Jesus is about to take the screwdriver out of his hand. Amen? But I, I, I'm, we're going to be in Second Chronicles, as it says up there, chapter 20, uh, for most of this sermon. But to set it up, I, I need to tell you, I need to, to, this is just elementary, my dear Watson. Okay, this is not, this, these first things are not deep theological points. They're great reminders of what we're facing. We, you know, we, we face three types of enemies. In this world, Ephesians chapter 2, keep your fingers in 2 Chronicles because we are going to be going there. But Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 3 say this In you, he made alive. He is Jesus. In you, man or woman of God, he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. Can I get an amen right there? I mean, we could stop right there, go home, and just know that Jesus Christ made us alive. Amen. We're not going to do that because I'm a preacher. I've got some points to get to, right? <laughs> Number two, verse two, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh, of the mind, and were by the nature children of wrath just as the others. Let me pray. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you that your word is powerful sharper than any two-edged sword, able to cut through all the stuff and get right to the heart of the matter. And I pray that today there would be revelation through the Word of God, that our eyes of understanding would be open, that our ears would be open, that our hearts would be open to the transformation power of the Word of God. Help me to teach this Word with authority and power and deliverance. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So three enemies, right? Number one, the world is our enemy. The world is our enemy. If you look back at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 2, it says you once walked according to the course of this world. James 4, 4 says, don't you know that friendship with the Lord or with the world is enmity against God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Listen, we're no longer of the world. We're still in it, but we're not of it anymore. But our, but our Bible told us in verse 2 of Ephesians that we once walked according to the things of the world. We used to be worldly. We used to do things the way the world does them. 
and he made us alive and gave us a new perspective. Amen? Aren't you glad about that? The second, I'm not trying to spend a lot of time here because, like I said, this is elementary. These are things you should already know. I just have to set up where we're going in the sermon because we do face three enemies, the world, number two, Satan. Can I say this real quick before we go any further? Satan is real. He is not some made-up thing that Christians made up to scare other people into receiving Jesus as their Lord and Savior. He is a very real foe. And his mission statement is very clear. Kill, steal, destroy. It has not. In, in many regards, he's like Jesus. That Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Not that he's like Jesus. Don't misrepresent what I'm saying. But in that regard, he's the same. His mission statement has not changed. Kill, steal, and destroy. He's out to kill, steal, and destroy. He hasn't changed his statement. Well, you know, people aren't so bad. Maybe we'll just maim them a little bit. No, no, no. He, 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 he doesn't want to just maim you a little bit. He wants to destroy you. Amen? Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12 says, We don't wrestle against flesh and blood but against, excuse me, principalities, thank you, against powers, against the rulers of this dark age, against spiritual hosts of weakness in heavenly places. Listen, we may, the, the world may be our enemy, but people on the world aren't our enemy. People aren't my enemy. They may come against me. They may say things against me. They may do things to hurt me, but that's not the enemy. As a matter of fact, it says in James chapter 1, verse 13, let no one, excuse me, I'm getting ahead of myself, aren't I? We don't wrestle against those things, right? We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities in Ephesians chapter 6. Here's number three, the flesh. The flesh is our enemy. We live in sinful flesh. Even though our spirits are made alive, our bodies still crave sin. There's a verse that says the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And we need to recognize, I think I told you last week, it's okay I don't usually use this word because it's a, it's a foul word in my house. Shut up, flesh. Shut up. You've got to tell your flesh just to shut up. James chapter 1 says this in verse 13. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. See, our flesh is our enemy. Our flesh craves things that our spirit says, those aren't good for you. As a recovering person, I craved alcohol and drugs and, yeah, there's children in the room. You know where I'm going. Things I crave that the spirit says, those aren't good for you. They don't edify you. They don't build up your spirit. They tear you down. And that's why the flesh is our enemy. So we have the world, we have Satan. And we have the flesh. So now that we understand that, I want to help you today in facing incredible odds. I want to help you, give you some ammunition. Amen? Number one, tune into God. You need to tune into God. Second Chronicles chapter 20. Do we have that feeling up there? Tune into God? Oh, well, you can spell it right. T-U-N-E. 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verses 1 through 3. It happened after this that the people of Moab with the people of Ammon and the others with them beside the Ammonites came to battle against Jehoshaphat. There's a whole lot of folks coming against Jehoshaphat. Then some came and told Jehoshaphat, saying, A great multitude is coming against you. Maybe 
anybody feel like that? Anybody ever felt like there's just an onslaught against you from all sides? Just when you think you, you're addressing one issue, another issue comes, and so you turn to the right, and then from the left, here comes another issue. That's what Jehoshaphat is facing here. And, and spiritually, this is what our church, our membership is facing here, individually and corporately. And he came to Jehoshaphat saying, a great multitude is coming against you from beyond the sea from Syria. And they are in Hazazon Tamar, which is in Gedi. And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaim the fast throughout all Judea. Listen, we need to tune into God and we need to ask, what does God say about a situation? See, we need to ask God, what is your heart? What, is, what do you have to say about these things that I'm facing? What, what is it you want to do through these? Because I'll tell you what, on the other side of trial is treasure, amen? On the other side of persecution is opportunity and freedom and peace. Jehoshaphat said in verse 3 that he set himself to seek the Lord. I'll tell you what, he was determined. He had made up his mind to seek God no matter what. And we got to get in our spirit. Look, I got to continue to seek God. And then he called a fast. I'm going to ask you a question. And I'm trying to step on your toes. When was the last time you fasted? Other than the corporate fast we just called. When was the last time you fasted? When was the last time you denied your flesh delicacies or you turned off the television for a season or you put down that good novel and picked up just the Word of God for a season? When was the last time you proclaimed a fast in your land? I'm not trying to heap any condemnation on anybody, but, but, but Mark chapter 9, verse 29, Jesus said himself, some things only come out by prayer and fasting. And see, there's some things that we come against. He wouldn't have put that in the Bible if it wasn't relevant, if it wasn't important. See, there's things that we come against as men and women of God that will only come out through prayer and fasting. Well, I can't fast, Pastor Ron. I'm diabetic. I have to eat certain food. Okay. There's lots of ways of fasting. Lots of ways of denying yourself. And if you need help with that, I'm not here to preach a message about fasting. Come see me. I'll help you in that regard. Number two, be ready to pray. Why is it prayer is often our last resort instead of our first? Look at verses 4 through 9. So Judah gathered together to ask for help from the Lord. What a novel idea. Let's come together and ask God for help. And from all the cities of Judea, they came to seek the Lord. Then Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court and said, O Lord God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? And do you not rule over all the kingdoms of the nations? And in your hand is there not power and might so that no one is able to withstand you? Man, just just underline, highlight verses 5 and 6, and it just tells you how mighty God is. Aren't you able to do these things, God? Aren't you able? I I just want to pray. I want to seek your faith. I want to come together and seek the Lord because you are more than able. Verse 7, you are, not our, are you not the God who drove out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and gave it to the descendants of Abraham, your friend forever? I want to be God's friend forever. If anybody ever writes about me, if they were still adding to Scripture today, I would hope that somebody would write 
Ron Wilson was God's friend forever. Man, that would be the greatest honor I think anybody could ever say of me. That guy just loved God. He was God. It says it on my license plate, people. God's favorite? It's true. Hey, California DMV approved it first. Nevada DMV approved it second. It's got to be true, amen? Because DMV, DMV does not make a mistake. All right, all right I'll, I'll repent of that statement. I'll, I'll back off that one. Verse 8, and they dwell in it and have built you a sanctuary in it for your name. If disaster comes upon us, sword, judgment, pestilence, or famine, we will stand before this temple and in your presence, for your name is in this temple, and cry out to you in our affliction, and you will hear and save. We can't wait till the battle's too hot to decide it's time to pray. And we need to begin to pray. Matter of fact, I am calling the church to corporate prayer. The Lord put on my heart just a couple of days ago, open the church Monday through Friday from the hours of 6 to 7 and just come. Anybody who can come, just come. It's just open. You have different work schedules if you just can come in for a minute. And he told me just to make this wall a wall, a wall of collage. So i got to get some sticky notes because I want you to begin to write down prayers. And I want to fill this wall up this week. And I want God to begin to answer. And I don't want to pull those down. So next Sunday when people come to church, they're going to be like, what the heck's going on? We're going to say, God's answering prayers. And I believe in God that we're going to start picking those things off the wall one by one. Amen. You guys aren't excited as about I am about this. I, I just have enough crazy faith to believe God can do something like this. I believe that God is able to answer prayer, amen? I am not grown weary. I am not done seeking God. I am not tired of seeking his face and trusting in him, amen? Listen, prayer is not bending God your way. Prayer is bending you God's way. Sometimes we think we're going to go to God and tell him what we want. You want to make God laugh? Tell God your plans. <laughs> pastor Carrie said, hey, we're going to go pastor at the beach. God said, ah, <laughs> Las Vegas, baby. <laughs> yeah, and, and, you know, as Mike was exhorting us earlier and singing that song, God of the City, he alluded to something that I said during worship first service, this statement I never thought would leave my lips, but. I am falling in love and in, in love with this city. The people of this city have a burden for them. Prayer is not overcoming God's reluctance or hesitancy. It's grabbing onto his willingness. See, we, need to, we need to understand. That's some deep stuff right there. You need to, you need to ponder that. You need, I probably should have put those in the notes, but there wasn't room. But prayer isn't... isn't overcoming God's reluctance, getting God to, to relent. It, it's, getting, it, it's grabbing on to God's willingness because I'll tell you, family, he's willing. He's got great plans for each and every single one of us. I thought so highly of that, of that text in Jeremiah 29, 11 that I, I said, let's put it on the marquee out front. Let's put it on our capstone, grace, grace. Let's put it out there and let the whole world see what we believe about God, that God has a good plan for us. Hey, listen, that's a bold statement coming from a church like this. We're considered a recovery church. We're people who were in the bile and in the dredges. We're people that God pulled out of the miry muck. And to make a statement that God has a good plan for me, that takes a lot of, lot of guts. 
a lot of a lot of guts, a lot of glory. Amen. I wasn't going to cuss. You guys got you guys. But it's a bold statement coming from a church like this that I believe Jeremiah twenty nine eleven that God has a good plan for my life, a plan to prosper me. Amen. Amen. To give me hope in the future. Many people come to this church, and this is the last stop. Many people come to this church because they've been turned away by other churches. They've been uninvited. Well, you can sit in the back, Mr. Homeless Man. Or you can sit in the recovery section, Mr. Drug Addict. Or you can sit over here, Mr. and Mrs. Somebody, you're a little bit different. But we say, come as you are, just like my Bible told me. Amen? Amen. I might start preaching. I haven't decided yet. You know, the Lord's Prayer is a great example of this because prayer is not getting your will in heaven. It's getting God's will on earth. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Father, bring your will down to earth. Come on. And it's God's will that we prosper. It's God's will that we have peace. Come on, somebody. It's God's plan. Satan's plan is to kill, steal, and destroy. But God has a better plan for you and I. You're not shouting with me yet. I don't think you believe what I'm preaching. I'll keep you here all day till you get this in your heart. No, I won't. I'm hungry. That's why I'm calling this church to prayer this week. If you can come, I'm not pressuring anybody. If I'm the only one down here, praise God, because God put this in my heart, to just open the church up. But you go down and you pray for an hour and open the church up. And, and Pastor Carrie does a great job on Monday mornings with that. And, and so I'm going to ask her for a little guidance in that because she does such a great job with that. But, but I'm also, I'm, I'm, I'm purposed. There, there are some things that I, that I want to speak to, some, some, some direct things that I want to pray about. And one of those things is just putting our prayer requests on that wall, amen, and trusting God to answer them. Here's what I say. If you come in here and, you, and you're serious about praying and you put it on that wall, you better believe without doubt that God's going to answer it. Amen? Amen? No wavering. Come on, somebody. No wavering. Amen. Number three, focus on God, not the odds. Take your focus off the waves and put them on God. You know, I don't tell Mike what to, what to, what to sing. I don't ever tell him what songs to bring in worship. And every single song... He preached, you preached my sermon this morning, thank you very much. It is how God works. Look at verse 12 of 2 Chronicles chapter 20. Oh, our God. Remember my song last week? Oh, many of you can only sing the oh. We did hee-haw. If you weren't here, sorry you missed that. Or maybe you're glad you missed that. But it says, oh, our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us. Nor do we know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. I wonder if there's anybody in here who would be bold enough like me and like Jehoshaphat that would just say, you know what? I don't know what to do. But you're the pastor. You're supposed to have all the answers. I didn't read that in the, in the pastor manual. Did you read that, babe? i, I got to be completely honest with you. The battle, the, the, the odds that we're facing right now, they're new to me. The onslaught that we're facing, I, I've been involved in battles, don't get me wrong, brother. I fought the good fight of faith. I, I've done some waging war. I've been in homes, and I've burned Ouija boards and saw them things flicking, there, and I've cast out demons in people, and, and I've done all these wonderful things. But the thing that we're, we're Christians, 
It's expected in the world. It's expected for a, a heathen to be demon-possessed. It's expected for a Ouija board to be, to be full of demons and demonic presence. But it's not expected in my heart of hearts that a church who loves God as much as Grapevine does, that we would be facing the odds that we're facing. It's unacceptable, Pastor Tiny. And I'm like, Jehoshaphat, I'm like, God, I don't know what to do. Except say hi to my friend Christy. I don't know what to do. And you know what? That's a really good place to be. It's a really good place to be. Because it makes me completely dependent on God. I'm not dependent on my experience. I'm not dependent on my 20 years of pastoring and preaching the word of God. I'm not dependent on the relationship that I believe is solid in Christ. I'm not dependent on those things. I'm dependent on who God says he is. Period. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Fix your eyes on God. And number four, get help. Get help, man. You, there is no such thing as the Lone Ranger Christian. God did not sign you up for the secret service Christian in God's army. Shh, I'm a Christian. Don't tell nobody. Blast it, baby. Blast it. Shout it from the rooftops. Well, my employer might get mad. Praise God, let him fire you. You're being quiet about who you are. Now, I'm not saying be dumb and run out there and, Gee, you better receive Jesus, boss, or I'm going to kick your butt. No, 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 no. But when people ask you, you better be clear about who you serve. And if you lose your job over it, God's got a better one for you. i got to be careful preaching that because many of you will go, boss, and quit. You'll just go quit. And I didn't say do that. Look at verse 13. Now, all Judah, Lottie Dottie, Everybody, all of Judah, with their little ones, their wives, their children. Look, if you don't got a babysitter, come to prayer anyway. Your children need to learn how to pray anyway. They need to learn how to pray in private, and they need to learn how to pray corporately. Bring them now. They'll be a distraction. No, they won't. They'll be screaming, praise God, so will I. <laughs> You're laughing, but I... I'm going to be crying out to God. You're going to be seeing Pastor Ron make a fool. So the Lord, through my pastor, gave us a verse for our church. And, and I have to set this up just a, a little bit because our pastor that we came from, Chris, Bill, uh, is not... Um, his, his gifting is not the gift of prophecy. God's used him in prophecy. I've seen him stand up and, and call out heart conditions and things like that and see people get healed. I have seen that. It's not on a regular. So when my pastor says to me, Ron, there's a portion of Scripture that I believe is for your church. He didn't even use that word. He says that is for your church. My ears go tink. Because it's not like my pastor unless he is very, 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 very clear of what he's about to say when he uses the phrase, thus saith the Lord. He didn't say it like that. He's not King James. But 
You know what I'm saying. You understand my, my, my reference. When he says, I have a word from you from the Lord, my ears go, okay. Because he would not say that unless he was sure of it. And we're going to get to that in a minute. But in that text, I want to read verse 8. We'll read the whole thing, the whole body of it in a minute. Because we're talking about getting help. Verse 8 says in Leviticus chapter 26, you don't have to put it up. It probably isn't there. You'll read it in a minute with me. Five of you shall cast a hundred, and a hundred of you shall put 10,000 to flight. Listen, there's power when we come together. You, you can't do this alone. And, and, the, and the odds that we are facing, the, the battle that we're in right now, Grapevine, requires us to corporately come together. What the enemy's trying to do is divide us. He's trying to divide us as a church. He's trying to divide us in our families. He's trying to divide us in our workplaces. He's trying to bring division. And unless we come together corporately, man, verse or, or point number four, you need to circle, highlight, jump up, up, up and down on it because it is probably the most valid point I'm going to make today. We have to come together to face this thing. Again, you have different work schedules. I'm not having a check-in sheet when you come. If you can only stop for a minute and throw a sticky note on there and you have to go because you're on lunch, I don't know. But if you can make it, even if it's just one day, try to come and pray with your church family. Okay, number five. I like this one. I don't know about the rest of you, but I'm ready to relax. We need to chillax. I should have put chillax in faith is what I should have put. Right? We need to learn how to relax in faith. We need to, we need to know that God is fighting our war. Look at, look at 2 Chronicles 20, verse 14. When the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaniah, the son of Jael, Jael, excuse me, the son of Mataniah, the son of, wow, a lot of ayahs going on there. A Levite of the son of Asaph in the midst of the assembly, he said, listen, all you of Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem, and you, King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid. Nor dismayed because of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, it is the Lord's. Verse 17 goes on to say, you don't need to fight this battle. Position yourself, stand still, see the salvation of the Lord who is with you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow, go out against them. I was a little confused when I was reading this because right here it says, you will not need to fight this battle. In verse 14, 15, where is it at? Do not be afraid nor dismayed. Verse 17, you will not need to fight this battle. Position yourself, stand still, and then he goes on in the same verse, but go out against them. Do I stand still or do I go out? The difference is this, it's in prayer. The difference is this, is, is we don't fight this fight. Like we don't bear arms. We don't come in with, with swords, the sword of God is the sword that we come in with. But he's saying, stand still. The battle is not yours. Stop wearing yourself out trying to fight an enemy that you cannot defeat in your own power. You're, you're making yourself weary. You're wearing yourself down, woman, man of God. You're at the place of, of defeat, 
I don't know if I said it this service, but I know I said this second service. I have seen over and over and over again Christians who get to this place and they lose the battle because they quit just before the miracle happens. I've been doing this long enough to see enough men and women, especially people who are in recovery, come on somebody, quit before the miracle happens. And God says, stand, but go out in prayer. Go fight this thing in prayer and in the word of God. Amen? I'm walking all over the place. I'm getting my exercise today. They should just put a treadmill right here and I'd be okay. I'd just stay in one place. <laughs> Let me read this text to you that my pastor gave us. Leviticus chapter 26. If you have a Bible or, or an you know, iPhone or something like that, pull this up. You want to highlight this because this is where our prayer focus needs to be this week. It says, if, my, if you walk in my statues and keep my commandments and perform them, then I will give you rain in its season. The land shall yield its fruit and the trees of the field shall yield their fruit. In the NIV, it says grapes. We're grapes. We're grapevine. You know that, right? So number five, verse five, your threshing shall last till the time of the vintage, and the vintage shall last till the time of sowing, and you shall eat your bread to the full and dwell in, the, in your land safely, safely. And I will give what? I will give what? So the Lord spoke peace over Grapevine this year, and it has been anything but peaceful lately. It is going to be because God gave us that word. And so if you are, if you're going to claim something in God, see, peace doesn't just, here's some peace, Dave. <laughs> you're welcome. Oh, you can get a piece of cake that way. You can get a piece of pizza that way. But the peace of God comes through trial. The peace of God that we're talking about, the, the peace that, that surpasses all understanding, it's not, it's not something that you can just be handed. It's something that, I hate to use this word, it's, but it's almost something you earn by walking through trial and being and persevering. And standing when everything else around you is crumbling. When people around you are saying, I just want to give up, hold them by the hand. Help them. Get the help you need and trust in the Lord. See, God spoke to us peace, and we're almost to there. We're almost to that place of peace. Can you hold on? One's going to hold on. I'm not there yet. Preach my sermon. I will give you peace in the land, and you shall lie down, and none will make you afraid. I will rid the land of the evil beasts. Come on. And the sword will go th through, not, will not go through your land. You will chase your enemies. This is the verse we already read, and they will fall by the sword before you. Five of you shall chase a hundred, and a hundred of you shall put ten thousand to flight. Your enemies will, shall fall by the sword before you. For I will look on you favorably and make you fruitful. Multiply and confirm my covenant with you. See, God made a promise of peace. I, I didn't just eat a bean burrito and think, let's put peace up in the church. God gave me that word for our church. And he's saying here that he's going to be favorable and, and make us fruitful and confirm the covenant that he made with us. Hold on, guys. Hold on. 
hold on. We're almost there. Someone said trials are like mattresses. If you get under them, they'll suffocate you. But if you get on top of them, you'll sleep like a baby. Amen? It should be comforting for us to know that, that the fight's not ours, that, that the victory belongs to the, to the Lord. And if you've heard me say this, I've read the back of the book, right? We win. We, we win. We win. You guys ought to know when I'm fishing. Can't you tell when I'm fishing? Last point here. Thank God in advance. Thank him in advance, man. Don't wait to thank God until the victory is finally there. Begin to thank him now because the victory is already there. You just haven't realized it yet. Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 18 said, And Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all, the, and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem bowed before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. Then the Levites of the children of the <laughs> Kohathites and of the children of the Korahites stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel with voices loud and high. So they rose early in the morning and went out to the wilderness of the Tekoa. And as they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you shall be established. Believe in his prophets, and you shall prosper. And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed those who should sing to the Lord and who should praise the beauty of his holiness as they went out before the armies and were saying, Praise the Lord. For his mercy endures forever. I love what verse 18 said. Jehoshaphat bowed his head and put his face to the ground. What I'm calling us to this week is that we would come to the Lord, that we would do a face plant in the presence of the Lord right here in this altar this week, all amongst these chairs. We need to anoint this building with oil. We need to, some of you need to take some oil home, bring it back because we're running low, but anoint your homes with oil. Some of you need to anoint your kids. Slip in there when they're not in bed or maybe when they're sleeping. Anoint their bedposts, amen? Anoint, 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 and trust the Lord. And I love that he said, praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. Can you say that with me? Praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. Come on. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. He, he's worthy of praise. You know, if God decided not to do anything with your enemies, if God chose right now just to go ahead and allow this attack to continue against you, if God said, you know what, I, I'm going to let this happen in your life, and it's going to intensify. I'm going to let the enemy. Look at Job. If God said that, would he still not be worthy of praise? Only three people you can say yes. Either you're just quiet or you're, you're struggling with this because God saved your soul if you're a Christian. And if he chooses never to do anything else for you on this planet, he's done enough. He's prepared eternity for you and me. Amen? I, I, I'm not buying that he's going to just allow this to continue. I don't, I don't believe that. But if for some reason it did, he's still worthy of praise. So give him praise right now. Come on, give him praise right now. Give him the best praise of the day. Hallelujah. Lord, you are good and you
your mercy endures forever. Here's how I'm closing this. I want to give you the results. The results of facing incredible odds. Number one, the enemy defeats themselves. In our story, you can look at verses 20 through to 24 when you get home. The Bible says that, that, that one of them came against the other, and then they came against each other, and they just completely and totally destroyed themselves. Utterly destroyed themselves is what my Bible says. I love that. See, the battle is not yours. God creates such confusion in the camp of the enemy. See, we think the, the enemy is the author of confusion. Nah. Nah, God can create more confusion in his camp than he can ever create in ours. Number two, they rejoiced over their enemies. Oh, I'm going to do the happy dance on my enemy. You know what I'm saying? The Bible says he's already under my foot, so I, I'm going to have to learn the happy dance first, but probably something like, you know, just do a little, a little, little bust a jig on his face or something. Yeah, that's why I don't dance much anymore. In the, in the context here, in verse 26, it talks about the children coming together, together for an assembly in the Valley of Barasha. And I want you to know that that valley is literally called the Valley of Blessing. Can I say, I believe Grapevine is getting ready to enter into a Valley of Blessing. Uh, and I'm not talking financially. There will be parts of that with it. But I'm talking about rest and peace. Come on. Some things you just have to claim on to. Some things you just got to take God at his word and say yes and amen to that. And finally, the Bible says they found rest. Look at verse 30. Then the realm of Jehoshaphat was quiet, for his God gave him rest all around him. The realm, everything that Jehoshaphat had influence over. Can I tell you that everything that we have influence over, our church family, our outside families, our workplaces, the, the markets that you and I go to, that, that, that we have a realm of quiet over those things when we get to the other side of this. Can we claim that? Is there anybody bold enough with me to claim on to these scriptures and believe God for them? Is there anybody in this place that has done with the odds that you have been facing? Is there anybody here today that says enough? Enough is enough. I'm about to do this God's way, and I'm going to get the victory. If you're here today and you say, you know what, I have been facing incredible odds. The enemy has been coming against me. I want you to stand on your feet. If you can, Kevin. In your heart, brother. In your heart. There's a day coming you'll be standing. Stand in your heart if you can't stand physically. Wow, again. I guess the message was from the Lord because that's two services, 100%. Everybody's standing. We've been facing some odds, amen. Hold on. I'm just trying to be obedient to the Lord. So if God costs our number right, then that means he has our victory right too, doesn't he? Father, we claim the victory. We come, against, we come out against the enemy through the power of the word of God, through fasting and prayer. God, stir our hearts, Lord. Stir our hearts to, to pray and to fast and to seek your face. And, and Lord, even in our busy schedules, would you, would you make their opportunity that we could get out to the prayer meeting 
at least once or, or, or whatever you put in our hearts, however you free our schedule, help us to be diligent, coming together, seeking the face of God for victory for our church. I'm not going to be selfish in this, Lord. I'm seeking God for my church family today. I'm seeking God that there would be breakthrough financially, spiritually, emotionally, physically, in the name of Jesus. And Lord, if there's anyone here, I'll just ask you, church, if there's one here today that don't know Jesus, you've never invited the Lord Jesus to be be your king, to be your savior, then I would like to lead you in a prayer. If that's you, would you just show me your hand and say, Pastor, please, please pray with me. Is there anybody here that... Thank you. I see your hands. Thank you very much. Thank you. I see it back there. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Let's pray this as a family as we close. Say, Dear Jesus, forgive me. I love you. I accept your forgiveness. I know you died for me, though I don't deserve it, so that I could live. Thank you for the victory today. Thank you for wiping out my enemies. Thank you for setting my heart to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Come on, let's give him the best praise. Come on, praise the Lord, for his mercy endures forever. Amen. God is good. And all the time. Well, we love you. If you still need prayer, uh, we'll be here. If, if you visited today, if you go out to the booth right outside, uh, we have a gift for you. So we, we, we're glad that you're here. Have a great day.